At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. We're on a collision course with the national championship and only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, but get out the way. That's what that is right there. We're coming like this, man. When you're like this, you can't be beat, baby! You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince McCoco! This is not the episode that we expected it to be. It kind of tracks, honestly, with how things have gone for our podcast over the last two and a half years since we started <laughs> doing this. Um, and it feels like deja vu all over again from last year. But uh, this time it was Syracuse, not Ole Miss. Louisville Falls 31-7 to in the season over in absolutely disappointing fashion. Welcome into From the Pink Seats Podcast. I know that's not very much of a cheery intro. We're going to do our best tonight to try to have some fun with it. But uh, it was certainly a disappointing first weekend of college football for Louisville and for uh, everybody who was expecting big things. I'm Jacob Lane. I'm joined by Matt McGavick and Vince Lococo. As always, uh, we're coming off of a great weekend for the show. If only the football team could have been as hyped as me in the studio on Friday night, taking my shirt off, putting the jersey on. That's uh, the type of energy (laughs) that did not transfer uh, through, (laughs) through the air up to Syracuse, New York, to the JMA wireless dome. Uh, in fact, Louisville looked uh, dull. They looked uh, just completely out of shape, out of not shape, but out of whack and just not the team that we expected them to be. We're going to get into that. We're going to try to look at this from every angle that we can and just try to have an open and, and honest conversation about what took place um, tonight. There will be no um, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this. We, we're not going to we're not going to just be happy tonight that's not how this episode is go there's going there's going to be some critical reaction to what we saw saturday because mm-hmm. um in year four game one this is unacceptable uh just there's no other way to put it but unacceptable uh, especially with so much on the line for louisville uh, and so we're going to get into vince's game notes tonight the best segment in all of sports uh where vince is going to tell us his thoughts on what he saw on tape and uh, if it wasn't bad enough vince was at a wedding and then on top of that had to uh, just live through the agony of the text that I would send Malik interception Malik. Well, at that point, like the wedding was the best part. I had yeah. <laughs> you talk about the weekend, just not yeah, knowing like, how you expected. I, like, I mean, <laughs> the wedding being the best part of it, but um, it was certainly a troubling trend. Uh, I want to start with this tonight, uh, a tweet from Mark Blankenbaker that I saw yesterday and, um, we can go from from there, uh, and, and when obviously we're going to look into Central Florida and talk about that game because it's uh, uh, no rest for the weary. As Louisville will turn right back around and hit the road to go play in the bounce house in Orlando, Florida on Friday night against the Central Florida team. But just from the condensed highlights that I saw today, uh, certainly, certainly going to be a challenge for Louisville. Uh, so we'll get into all of that tonight, but uh, here's the tweet. Um, 
and here's where I say it's a troubling trend, fellas. Uh, I, I don't have the exact tweet for, but for uh, verbatim in terms of word for words, but what it, what it essentially said was in the Satterfield era, there has been several games in which Louisville has been um, outplayed physically and outmatched overall start to bottom where, you know, it's just not going to go their way. Go back to 2019, Miami, 2020, Kentucky, 2020, Miami, 2021, Ole Miss, 2021, Kentucky, and 2022, Syracuse. That doesn't even include Clemson, who we know, obviously, for years Louisville has struggled with. But Syracuse is not the opponent that I thought I would see on this list. And I bring you guys into this tonight. What happened? I mean, anything that could go wrong did go wrong. I mean, you might as well have just called that game the epitome of Murphy's Law. I mean, Louisville did absolutely nothing right save for a, a couple guys really three guys who stood out uh tyon evans tyler hudson and you you know when your punter was one of your three best players in the game that Sorry, quite frankly well shit went sideways like given all that we heard throughout the offseason the various progressions that we heard, whether that be from the infusion of Newtown via the transfer portals, the how the schemes were going to get adjusted in situational football on both sides of the ball, this and that. There's talent, there's depth at multiple positions. They're going to be more aggressive on defense. They're going to be more locked in the passing game on offense. We literally saw none of that against Syracuse. Nary a single one it, it would be one thing if Louisville lost now obviously I we all projected them to win this game but it, it would have been one thing if they lost and it was like a defensive slugfest you know like a, a 14 to 13 or a shootout like a 35 to 31 but Louisville got waxed there's no other, better way to put it they were outclassed when the offense was field they were outclassed when the defense was on the field despite the multiple opportunities that the Syracuse offense gave them because they kept committing penalty after penalty after penalty and false start false start false start false start false start and the defense could not take advantage of any opportunities and meanwhile offense isn't doing them any favors they're they're getting the defense back right back on the field because they can't drive the ball just in summation, total systems failure. That's the best way I can put it. And just looking at this game, just a general overview before we get into uh, Vince's opinion and, and dive into Vince's game notes, it's going to be a little bit different segment than what we did last year. And, and what we'll do eventually is get back to hopefully breaking the film down. But there's just a, a ton of different things that we need to dive into tonight. So it will be really the conversation that we have here, extended version of, of Vince's game notes. But uh, as I mentioned, final score, 31 to 7. Uh, Louisville absolutely from start to finish just you know there were parts of it where it looked like maybe they could get into it but Syracuse had control from the first possession that they had um, and, and just in terms of a yardage situation and what you saw from uh, their best performers obviously you knew that Sean Tucker was going to have a big game but what they got out of Garrett Schrader uh, produced 449 total yards of offense 241 yards passing which I got to, you know, pat myself on the back a little bit. I said he wouldn't have 250 yards passing. He did not. He didn't. He was nine yards short <laughs> of it. Uh, at least I got something right for the yeah. weekend. Yep. Uh, I can hang my hat on that one. Uh, and then 208 yards rushing uh, for Syracuse. Uh, the stat of the weekend, though, 18 penalties for 107 yards, and Louisville still lost the game uh, by four scores. Just, uh, just unbelievable. 
doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make like, sense. No it, football logic makes sense on help, this game. Help, help it make sense. 19 penalties, and that team wins the game. That's, it's one of those box scores that you just look at, and you're like, what the hell happened in this game? Yeah, like that should have affected the game. It should have. It should have gone in Louisville's favor. Ash should have a number of different things. If you look at the box score here, again, I mentioned Garrett Schrader. He goes for uh, 236 yards passing, 18 of 25 uh, for two touchdowns. Sean Tucker, 21 carries, 100 yards, a touchdown, and he exited the game uh, late in the first half with a shoulder injury, but did come back in the second half and continue to do what he did early on. Uh, and Garrett Schrader. The MVP of this game, not even close. 16 carries, 94 yards rushing, one touchdown. He looks like the Heisman candidate. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll stand. I'll, I'll be the first on the show to apologize to Garrett Schrader and say, yeah, no, play the football, and you do not have a noodle arm. No, so uh, he, he I'll, I'll eat my words on that one. I mean, I was watching the game today. I obviously – I watched the first quarter at the wedding party and then I turned it off and I was like, I'm, I'm not going to do this and live through Jacob's text messages and Matt's text messages. So, yeah, I mean, watching it today, it, I mean, just tore us up. Yeah, absolutely. On the Louisville side of things, Malik Cunningham, he goes 16 for 22 um, for 152 yards and two interceptions. The first ball, we'll get into the specifics of kind of how it uh, played out in the game, but I, I thought. I, uh, for both of them, it looked to me that he didn't see the corner or safety. Uh, and I know we, we disagree a little bit on it, but just the way the ball was thrown uh, on that first interception to D Wiggins. And they kind of mentioned it on the broadcast that the corner did kind of slip late and get in front of D and maybe Malik didn't see him on the backside, but I thought both, both passes just were not good reads overall. Both, uh, both interceptions obviously cost Louisville greatly multiple fumbles for Malik. I think he had two also uh, lost one. So three turnovers for him. Uh, overall, and then from a rushing standpoint, the bright spot: Tyon Evans, 13 carries, 89 yards, a touchdown. He had that 36-yard touchdown. Malik goes for 13 rushes, 34 uh, yards, no touchdowns. George Jordan, four carries, 11 yards, uh, and then Jalen Mitchell, one carry for three yards. We did not see Trevion Cooley in the game. A bit surprising, right? Were y'all uh, a little bit surprised by that? I mean, I I was curious how they were going to handle the uh, carries, but uh, didn't Jalen Mitchell not see any time as well, or did he? He got a late carry on that last drive on a first down that went for three yards, and that was the only time he got in the game. It was literally the last I mean, drive of the game. But he did get the, the, go out on go kick return point in the game. Yeah, I, that was very I, I, weird. I get, that, I get that the running back carries are – it's going to be hard to kind of divvy them up. But the fact that Travion Cooley got no clock at all and Jalen Mitchell, who was Louisville's leading rusher from the running back room last year, got like minimal clock was a little bit surprising. Yeah. Again, added to the list of things that just didn't make sense. Receiving another bright spot, Tyler uh, Hudson, the transfer out of Central Arkansas, eight catches, 102 yards. Mario Huggins, Bruce, two catches for 57 yards, including the 45-yard play. Uh, and then Marshawn Ford with two for 12. Jawar Jordan with one for 11. And shout-out Isaac Martin, one for 10 there on that last drive. Love to see him get involved. Ooh. Ooh. Make a play with it. He also had a nice block early in the game. I think it was on that tie-in Evans yeah. touchdown. Yep. Lead blocking. Yep. Got the backside yeah. linebacker. Yep. Yeah, called it out on the broadcast. Love to see that type of stuff. And then on the defensive side, Ben Perry leads the team with eight tackles overall. Uh, and then it was Ashton Gelati who had, I believe, uh, was it uh, two sacks is what he's listed here. Um, I think I had seen he was in other places. He was credited for one and a half. And then I, I don't remember who the other person was that was credited with a half. So 
couple of different things that I've seen in box scores, but it looks like ESPN has credited him for two sacks, which is what I had noted on my game sheet. So good to see him at least kind of get some nice plays. They had a couple of other plays where they were close to making sacks, but overall uh, just a complete, complete, just dysfunctional football team could not do much of anything, could not really establish the run the way that they wanted to, could not establish the pass the way that they wanted to. The uh, What we expected to be an overmatched defensive line was able to get whatever they wanted against Louisville's offensive front, which was expected to be the strong suit of their team. Uh, so let's just go right into this with Vince's game notes. It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's game notes. With Vincent Lacoco. Vince, what do you got, man? Uh, just help us see through somebody who's got football eyes what in the hell happened. Because to my non-football eyes, I saw just a complete train wreck out there. I mean, yeah, there was a train wreck. It, I mean, there is no sugarcoating it or getting around it. It was a train wreck, dumpster fire, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, I mean, there were just several things that just didn't make sense still. I mean, DBs were way too far off on the wide receivers still. I mean, like 10 yards off. I mean, just they were deep and playing a catch technique at that deep. And they were also playing a bail technique. So, like, the receiver was running straight at him, was was running like a vertical route, and he was already bailing out, bailing out as if he's going to run a go whenever that wide receiver can just easily snap it off and run a curl route or – uh, an in or anything, you know, and just seeing them bail so much like that, it's just repetitive of what we've seen over the past couple of years. Uh, we did a terrible job of spying Schrader throughout the game. I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed that, but we Horrible. substituted uh, Monty, Monty, KJ, and Debo. All three su were substituting throughout the game. Did you guys notice that at all? I did. Yes, and I did. I, notice I was, yeah. Did not. Do y'all know why? I mean, I was well, wondering, is Monty on like a pitch count, you think? It, it could be. I, to be honest with you, it took it until about the second quarter from, from my eyes to see Monty start to kind of look like himself. Early on, just yeah. a couple of tackles. He looked like he uh, yeah, kind of let up late. Yeah, probably going to be cautious on that knee at first. Yeah, it yeah, looked like he right. was just trying to figure out how to trust himself. Um, and to the point where I think I saw somebody say, like, Monty's got to come off for a few plays. He's been horrible. And then he did start to kind of fly. You start to see him pop. But – even when he was on the field, the spying, you saw him bite several times. I mean, there's uh, that was the one thing I think from a defensive standpoint that just shook me was just, again, to my untrained eye, seeing guys sit there for a second, two seconds, three seconds, and see a slight little burst and go for it. And then Garrett Schrader just runs right where they were supposed to be or throws a dump down pass right where he was supposed to, to where the corners. I mean, it just, it, again, you talk about it looks like Air Force times a billion. You know what I mean? And all the seniors were there. I just, it just, it never made sense. Yeah. It's, both Monty and Momo were, were really bad about biting fakes. There was one play in particular where I believe, I actually think it was Ben Perry who was caught on this one. It was late in the game where Schrader is just straight ahead looking downwind. He makes a slight look to the right, not like a huge bite or a huge oh, fake. Oh, that was number 11. Uh, 11. Debo. Debo, okay. Yeah, it was Dorian yeah. Jones then. Yeah. And then yeah. like and Schrader that made that bad. slight yeah. move to the to the right and then Debo bolted. Yeah. And like you want to talk about a huge like a huge bite. Like 
he did not play sound football and all. And it wasn't just Debo. I know Momo, Monty, KJ, it, all the other like linebackers, they didn't, they weren't really disciplined in this game with, with their assignments. None yeah. of them were. No. Uh, what else, man? Uh, I mean, I have plenty more defensively. Uh, just <laughs> seemed like we were getting no pass rush again. You know, uh, defensive line was getting owned a lot. Uh, they weren't getting any push. Uh, not physical at the point of attack. Uh, DB-wise, like I said, they were just playing too far off again. Uh, moving on to, like, the offense. We'll talk about offense a little bit. I mean, because it's just, it's just frustrating thinking about the defense. Uh, I noticed, and I'm sure you guys noticed too with the announcers, they said uh, Louisville's doing the same thing they've always done on offense. Uh, Lance mm-hmm. Taylor's not making any changes on the O. And uh, that was the big 50-50 debate for everybody throughout the whole summer was, you know, is Sat going to – and I – you know, I was hoping for it. I was pulling for it, man. I was like, I think Listen, he's going to do like how he did with Led. I, I, I get that Stat is still the play caller. I completely get that. But I expected there to at least be some semblance of Lance Taylor's fingerprints on this offense. And I saw, like, none of it. None. I mean, other than, like, just coordinating position meetings and, like, getting the game plan together. Like, what does he actually do on game day? He's just there. Ser- that's a serious question. He yeah. was just there. He was on the sideline. I saw him a lot, and he looked good on TV. He was on TV quite a bit. Did I, I mean, but – your guess is as good as mine as to what his impact was on the game plan. Um, I think, you know, if you're ranking the disappointing things, that's got to be up there because we'll get into this in a minute. If, if he wasn't out there last night, we would have even, I mean, we would have not blinked twice. I mean, it was the exact same offense is exact same play calling. Uh, I mean, I know the jokes are easy at this point, but the short side runs, on third down and long, we saw it last night. We literally saw all of the cards that have been yeah. pulled as jokes on Sat last night. Mm-hmm. We saw it all, yeah. man, every bit mm-hmm. of it. And at this point, if you're Satterfield, dude, like you, you got to know you cannot keep going back to that. And I'm gonna say this, and I don't mean this in a uh, like, I, I don't know the be- the best way to phrase this. I'm not gr- I'm not a wordsmith. I guess is a good way of putting this. But I felt what I saw from the play calling was very egotistical on Saturday night. It felt very much like not wanting to share the sticks with your younger sibling on when you, it was your turn to play Madden. Like you know, it just every opportunity Louisville had to um, show that they were different. They just did the same thing. I mean, there was a play I called it out, and I, I'd have to go back to my notes here and and find it. But there was a play in the first half where uh the announcers even called it out Louisville ran the same play back to back uh with Ty on Evans literally the exact same play and if they're calling it out from the booth you know Sarah this is we've had we had this conversation all last year everybody knew what was coming at every single point on Saturday night they just all knew it and and get this I picked this up while I was watching it uh during the game as well on Syracuse's blitzes pick up on our cadence a lot. You could see uh, Caleb Chandler would turn around and give Malik some kind of signal or mm-hmm. something to let him know a pass protection or what's going on or an adjustment or anything, you know. And as soon as Caleb would turn his head back to look at Malik, that linebacker would come and creep up, and then Caleb would turn his head, ball snap, and Caleb's not realizing. And it's not just like it's right in front of Caleb, but it's like all over the place. There's constant moving. You know, as our O-line and stuff is turning to talk to our quarterback to get protections and everything sorted out, 
Syracuse is just moving all over the place and sending blitzers. They got to do something different, I guess, with the snap count now or the cadence because, I mean, they started going on two a couple times. I did notice that, but. That's one thing that kind of stood out to me a little bit was that they seemed a little too, I guess, reliant might not be the right word for it, but they seem to go to whenever they're making pre-snap audibles at the line of scrimmage. They seem to try try and forcefully use, like, audible, like, uh, sort of communications and not, like, try and do, like, visual cues and whatnot. Yeah, that's that was my... You're uh, playing in the freaking carrier dome. You know how loud that place yes. gets. I'm going to add to your point. I saw them take a timeout, and Malik came off and was chewing somebody out, and I was looking, who is he chewing out? He went straight to the dude next to Satterfield. It was the signal caller. And that's why. And I remember thinking to my head, like, that would never happen with Vince. No way. But Malik immediately took his helmet off, and you could tell he was barking. Like, he was pissed off that they had called a timeout, and he went straight over. And again, I watched. Well, who is he yelling at? And the first person he went to was the the guy who looked like he was, you know, a student assistant standing right next to Sat. Like, they couldn't get the play in to him quick enough. That's just what it looked like to me, Vince. If you ever well, go back guys, and watch that, maybe that'll stand out to you. Uh, two guys signaling now is, a, I think, two GAs. I don't back, know. Uh, back on the defense, too, we can talk, we'll talk about this a little bit. I'm sure you all noticed it as well. Was uh, I, I wrote this down on point D right here. One of the goal line plays, you can tell there was no wrap-up, no push from the D-line, no effort, and loafs. It's bad whenever, you know, we can sit back with our – and I'm not you – know, I'm not – in a room or in a position where I'm going to grade these guys anymore. Mm-hmm. And I can sit there and notice what, when they're loafing and when they're not loafing and you're loafing, you know, Syracuse probably had five, 10 yards to gain, but I mean, you never know. You could hit him and he could fumble into the end zone and the ball, all of a sudden the ball's in the end zone. We got to touch back and it's our ball. You know, it's like the little stuff and the not caring almost. It, it just seemed like a little bit of a lack of effort almost from the guys. You can point and, that out and, in a and number and of you, places, you can, too. You could say what you want about Sats play calling, and it was – I thought it was bad, too, just as bad as everybody else. I mean, but the guys didn't execute either. I sent no, you all that no, clip no. of the three-by-one yeah. outside zone play that we ran at the end of the half, and I was bitching to you all about it because why are we running a three-by-one outside zone run with a minute left whenever we have enough time to go put points up on the board? Especially but when it's a 17 to seven score and you're getting the ball back on the yeah, other side exactly. of the half. But as you all saw in that clip, how big was that cutback lane? It was wide open. Drove, you could have drove a truck through it and, and Tyon just ran straight past it. and missed Right it. past it. Yeah. I mean, and that comes with being in the offense and being patient with your running style and not trying to do too much. And like, oh, if I get to the outside of this outside zone, all I have is a sideline and, you know, I just turn it up, but I'm gone. Like, if you go back and watch Javen Hawkins' best runs, they all came from the cutback line. Yeah, so, that's part of it because you're patient, right? You get outside, exactly. you, you have wait, to be you a patient see, you see, and then you hit the hole that bounces, you exactly. know, whether it's right in front of you and you can run straight through it and then get to the second level and cut back, or it's I mean, at that first level when the gap opens. You best hit it. example of our lifetime of it is Le'Veon Bell. Yes. I mean, the way, with the way dance. he ran yes. in Pittsburgh was he dance. Just, super patient in the backfield, hit it and explode and go. Which uh, I'm happy Tyon got the ball and wanted to go score and everything, but sit back and try and slow the game down in your head while you're playing. I wanted to say sometimes the jokes just kind of write themselves with Louisville football. And 
it's if you listen to this show, it's a joke that would make you chuckle if you saw it. But the first play, uh, I think for Syracuse went the the first the first pass of the game went for eight yards uh, on a comeback route, and sure enough, who's the the corner that gets beat? Yep. Chandler Jones. And I said, yep. shit, this is not gonna be pretty. Chandler Jones is on the play, is on the field, second possession of the game. He's getting beat. I feel like this might be a trend of things to come. Sure enough, it's what it was. And then you talk about the the there was a first down, but the first conversion for Louisville was a broken read option in which Malik couldn't figure out what to do with the football running. I'm not sure. I don't know who it was it on, but like Malik just falls forward of, for a first down. I don't know. It looked like one of them went one of them went the wrong way. Tyron right. Malik. Somebody. One of them did. Someone had a huge MA. I can't tell who. I mean, there was so bad that hell, they could have both had an MA there. And kind of speaking well, on the read option, they no matter where they ran it, like it, it didn't. Whether it was the situation or the execution, both were bad at, at one point or another. Especially with that read option on the goal line. Yeah, yeah I mean, come on, man. That I get. Lamar Lamar was notorious for this, and I get you want to do it your way and be the guy making the play, but. A lot of times, the best thing you can do is hand it off to your running back and let him go, you know, make his play. I, it, I don't know. That one really frustrated me. The yeah. interceptions fr- frustrated me as well. Yeah, let's get into the interceptions. The f- let's talk about them. The mm-hmm. first one, I, I, you know, I'm with the announcer. I'm with you all. That corner sank late, and I don't think Malik saw him. Made a hell of a catch. But he, Tyon yeah. should have caught that ball. D. He jumped backwards. Every like, and that's that's what separates a good and great wide receiver. You want to make it to the NFL, you're making that play. Tutu Atwell would have made that play. I, I'm very confident of Des Fitzpatrick, Jalen Smith, uh, Seth Dawkins. Uh, I mean, you could go back and back and back, I mean, all the way back to like Kyle De La Cruz, these guys that just want have a want to go up and get the ball. That that's a drill. I promise you, everybody that uh, all those guys that was in the that played for Coach Brewer, they did a drill where Brewer made his own uh, pop-up dummy. You, all, you guys know the red pop-up dummies that you see mm-hmm. Dean Hyman hit? So Brewer made his own with arms that go up instead of out like a deep defensive back. And he called it the Moss drill because obviously he coached Randy Moss. Yeah. So the drill was yeah. to catch the ball and snatch it and pull it back over top of your head like the ball, the underthrown ball right in the DB's belly. Yeah. Snatch it and pull it up. I mean, that – that's drill work, and that's stuff that you can put on a teach tape and, you know, stuff that helps you get drafted and could help you land on a – stay on a training camp team, you know? Yeah, well, that I, was about – Personally, it, I, I think that was a missed opportunity for D. Wiggins to make a play. Was it a bad ball by Malik? Yes. Bad read by Malik? Yes. But D. Wiggins could have made him right. I can I can live with the read. Like, I felt comfortable with the route. I, I felt comfortable with the read. I mean, but what I don't – Let him make a play. Yeah, that's right. I, I just, uh, it was underthrown. And, and what, what do you always hear with, with those back end zone throws? Get it to where only your guy can get it. If he can't get it, let it be incomplete. Mm-hmm. He put it too short. I mean, to me, it looked like it was underthrown or he was trying to put it literally on D. Wiggins' hip as he ran into the back of the end zone. That's where the ball was headed trajectory-wise. See, for me, like, yeah, the read was a little off. D. Wiggins could have – put forth a little bit more effort to grab the ball, but those were like relatively minor complaints. I just think that was a damn good play by Garrett Williams. Yeah. I mean, I'll sure. him, yeah, for I'll give sure. him that. That was a hell of a, hell of a play. Yeah. And, and while we're here, we got to give them kudos, man. We, we shat on them for two hours of live radio. They're, they're they couldn't be that much better. 
uh, you know, all the jokes yeah. here and there, and yeah. those boys came out and they played, man. Yeah. So yeah, that's tip right. Tip of the cap. cap to them. Yeah, tip of the cap. They played a hell of a game. Uh, and all of the, you know, whenever you're a shit talker, it's gonna go either in your favor, obviously, or it's gonna go the other way. It's just you gotta be able to slippery eat. slope, right? Mm -hmm. It's a slippery you slope. Talk it. You gotta be able to. You gotta be able to. Yeah, Mikael Jones got the last laugh there with the hit and, uh, you know, uh, play at the very end of the game. It's just that, it's uh, unfortunate. But so so that second interception, moving on to that one, oof. I think that one was 100% obviously a shitty play by Malik. That was a terrible read, but I also think it was a terrible route by Braden. Like, that's not – if you all go back and watch Tutu run that route, that's that same over-bender route where Tutu can uh, – bend it behind the free safety or snap it off in front of the free safety. Uh, I mean, that's one where Braden probably should have kept it going high and have Malik throw it to, you know, his top outside shoulder, kind of catch it like that a little bit, yep. a little visual for you too. I like it. <laughs> but natural uh, tight that, end right there, man. That I could have it. been, <laughs> that could have been prevented with a better route from Braden, in my opinion. And Malik was just too narrowed in on it through it. That's a stupid mistake. And one that you do not expect your, Sixth-year senior quarterback. To be stupid, sure. man. It's stupid. It just it defies logic. I get it when you have 80 freshmen on your team or whatever it was last year. You know, I know a lot of people didn't like that excuse. I wasn't a fan of it, but I get it, right? It takes you week one to get acclimated. When you're talking about dudes that have been here since fucking Matt McGavick was walking around on campus, these guys have been here for six, seven years against Syracuse. They've seen Alabama. They've seen – um, I'm trying to think of who all Notre Dame, Notre Dame they've twice. Seen, yeah, they've seen Clemson. these Ole Miss, like they've seen these big season openers. Like, wake up! What are you doing? Why are you running routes poorly? Why why are you not trying to tackle up high and wrap instead of just trying to use your hands to tackle down low or just? I mean, it, it just it, everything yeah. just ne it one never makes you all today was was terrible. It yeah, was, uh, and, and there's yeah. nine examples of that. But there's also for every one of those, you know, early on, Josh Minkins made several impressive tackles on the first drive or two, and then he, he did. just kind of disappeared. Uh, but guys yeah. made plays. The defensive side of the ball, I thought this was a really interesting part uh, of an argument that Presley Meyer made on the state of Louisville. The defensive side of the ball. In the second half, they gave Louisville's offense every opportunity. Now, yeah, Syracuse had the two big drives where they scored on big players or whatever the case was, but they held Syracuse to uh, – if I go back to the drive sheet here and I can pull this up for you guys, I can kind of give you a breakdown of what they did in the second half. Uh, but it, it was enough to, to give the, the offense opportunity. Um, so you're talking about five plays for 30 yards and a punt on the first drive for Syracuse, seven plays for 29 yards and a punt on the second drive of the second half for Syracuse. Uh, and then they come out, they score on the four play 13 uh, yard drive. That was off of the interception, the second Malik Cunningham interception. So you're talking about Louisville, um, you know, there, there's an opportunity there and it just, it, it's like Syracuse offense and Louisville defense were almost at like a stalemate for a couple quarters. Like Syracuse was, kind of doing what they were doing to try and put the position themselves in the game, but they were also kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Louisville defense kind of was doing the same thing, not really performing all that well, but they were kept getting bailed out and lucked out by the way that Syracuse was operating on offense. And no matter how many times Syracuse shot themselves in the foot, they could not take advantage of it. No. And for half the game, it was 17 to seven, which that in a way, yeah, the defense gave the offense a chance, even though it wasn't directly the defense's efforts that gave them a chance. And then the offense took 
wasted opportunity after wasted opportunity after wasted opportunity. Yeah. So here's just a, a, a completely kind of, if you want to trim this game down and you want to look at a couple of plays, a couple of drives, here's a good opportunity to look at where it matters for Louisville. They come out of the half. They're down 17 to seven. Vince mentioned before they had an opportunity to drive down the field and score. They got a little bit soft in their play calling, weren't aggressive. They come out in the second half on their first drive and they throw on the first possession, the first play of the half, they throw a pass, right? It's very rare. That's a tendency breaker for Louisville a little bit to throw on first down. Obviously, that's a joke. Um, then they have a, a false start penalty to come off that. So you're talking about halting the momentum of it, right? Tyon Evans bounces back. He's got a three-yard gain. On third and seven, Malik breaks free for that play where it's a, it's a designed pass play. Malik is able to get outside and make a play and get the first down. He's a 14-yard run. Tyon Evans right here. This is the momentum changer. 19 yards on first down. They come back. There it is. You have an opportunity. You're building momentum. And this is the Satterfield effect. This is where fans have every reason to gripe and bitch. And, and I, I feel bad that I even made a slight comment about the fans because it's no longer a fan issue. First down, zero-yard run. Again, you're driving the ball right here. Zero-yard run on first down. Second and 10, one-yard run to Jawar Jordan. So you switch your running backs at that. You get, a, you get one yard on second down, and then you get sacked on third down, and you're forced to punt. It's just – it's little details like that where Louisville has an opportunity in those moments to try to do something different. That's the – I think in those scenarios, maybe where Louisville, on, after they get stuffed, they come back and they throw. The defense is like, oh, shit, we thought they were going to run. You know what I mean? Like, that's a tendency breaker almost. Like, I, I agree with you, Jacob. Like, people – I remember people used to gripe about Coach Strong and them doing it. They'd be run, run, pass, run, run, pass. Like, let's have Teddy Bellis out on third, third down. Like, don't act like that wasn't a common theme with that with his teams. But yeah, and I mean, then, it, 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 there's nothing wrong. I wish these coaches would understand. Like, yes, you run to set up your pass. Yeah, but, I mean, you can pass to set up your run too. Like, you can. You yeah, can it's, it's complementary football. Yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. Man, right? You have a fifth year you, quarterback. We, we do not have to I don't be trust a running my football team. We can just be a football team that plays good football. We don't have right. to be a running football team. Okay, I, so I've, I've always hated whenever teams are like. Oh, they're searching for their identity. They're searching for their identity. Well, why can't their identity just be playing good, complimentary football like Matt said? Yeah. We, we go out there and, you know, we run the ball well, we throw the ball well, and we play good defense. We're not a running team. We're not a passing team. So they force Syracuse into a punt after that, right? So their defense comes out, and that's when I say the defense holds. They go – I think it was four first downs in a row or something like that on that drive. Syracuse made a couple of plays. They get off the field. And then the defense comes out of the first play of, the, of this possession. So this is their sixth drive, second in the second half. They get a holding on first down that negates a nine-yard catch to Tyler Hudson. On first and 19, Amari Huggins-Bruce goes for 45 yards. And Vince, I'm going to let you speak to Amari Huggins-Bruce in a second him, after this. Get him the ball more. Yes, for sure. And then they go Tyon Evans seven yards on first down. Um, and then they go – this is the possession where they run the same play back-to-back. -back. Uh, they do get a first down on it, but then on first and 10, Malik inter is intercepted. So it's just – Every opportunity Louisville have right there to bounce back in the game. They could have taken the lead. Say you score at the end of the second half. You come back. You score. Even if it's a field goal to start the second half, and then you, you get a, a stop and you score again, you either are tied or you have the lead at this point. It's a completely different game. And then those 18 penalties for 170 yards or whatever it has become much more important. Um, and so let's transition into this part of the conversation. And, again, I want to – it's week one. I think my biggest problem was – and it's – Fans and our fans. I'm a fan. You're a fan. We're all fans. Matt has a job to do to where his fandom has to be set aside, but we're all fans. I, I said this last week. There's nobody that cares more than I know in my life about Louisville football than Vince. And that's whether they're doing good or they're doing bad. It doesn't matter. Um, but this conversation, 
The reason why I got so upset with fans so quickly was that literally the first thing that went wrong, fans were done. They had given up. And that's what I said. Y'all were never really on board, and it shows. You didn't believe at all. You bought into what other people were telling you, and it wasn't a real belief that they could fix it. You you just thought, maybe, maybe. But as second is that, that they showed you that they couldn't. On the first drive, people were bitching about Louisville. That's when I had a problem because it just showed you never really believed in them to begin with. But from there on um, – the 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 conversation becomes much harder about of uh, of deflecting and weeks and how long years off season until you have to make changes. Um, Louisville was in a very delicate situation right here, uh, where the season is kind of on the line Friday night, in my opinion, in some form or fashion. Yeah. Uh, you can bounce back, and I guess what my point is is that week one for a lot of teams is never the indicator of whether they're going to be good or bad. Teams will start. And they'll get blown out week one, and then they'll bounce back and they'll win eleven games in a row, or they'll finish eight and four. There's still a very, very strong opportunity for Louisville to come out, right their wrongs, and get the the train back on the right tracks and head towards eight and four. They could still even go nine and three. It's not out of the question. Maybe Syracuse is really, really good, yeah. and maybe Louisville just came out and just played the I worst mean- game that we've seen of the Satterfield era. But this, that's the problem. We said this against Kentucky. We said this against Miami. We've said this against Clemson. We've said this against way too many teams, and I'm tired of it. And now for it to be Syracuse is when I say the buck stops here. It stops right now. There's yeah. no more. The clock is now set for coaching changes. The, the clock is now set. Now what that looks like, I don't know. I don't know what the best move is. I certainly don't agree that it's fire your coach. I don't think that that's the best move. I don't think you should fire Satterfield if they get beat on Friday night. I certainly don't think that. Um, but I do think, though, that uh, if Louisville comes out and they, they have another bad performance, I think Satterfield has to take a really, really, really deep, really long look in the mirror and question whether he might need to hand off play calling duties. Maybe he needs to make the call to hand play calling duties from Brian Brown to Wesley McGriff. Uh, you know, there's 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 other options out there that's not firing coaches that could make this team better. Mm-hmm. And, and so the conversation is, fellas. I know it's a little bit of hit the panic button, but to what extent? Because this isn't just – we can't look at this in just a vacuum of this one game. It just can't be. We can't even just look at it through the lens of 2022. You have to go back, and you have to account for what happened against Air Force because that's what set the whole offseason of that not happening again. And Coach Satterfield coming back with this plan and his emotion to fix the program, and he really wants to be here and wants to win – what happened Saturday night can't happen any longer. And so the question is, what 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 has to happen? I don't think they're going to go back in, in four days and fix this. I don't. And we'll uh, get into what – but what, thing, what is it? One thing they could do, in my opinion, uh, getting Renato Baum – excuse me, Renato Brown back mm-hmm. uh, from that uh, targeting call, which, I mean, I text you guys about it. I love yeah, it man. personally. You know, we all Play have football. opinions about that, uh, you know, blindside hit yeah, or whatever. No <laughs> uh, but once we get him back, I'm I'm okay with Michael Gonzalez sliding into that other left tackle role. I, I'm sorry, Trevor Reed. There was too yeah. many times that, yeah. I mean, it was just he too was much in open space. Out. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that, and that's not even saying that Renato had a great game up until that point. So whenever he was kicked out, Adonis Boone, I mean, Caleb, the Oman in general, but I'm fairly confident that Nick Carwell can get that group moving in the right direction fairly quickly. If yeah. freaking, if Big Nell can do it, then Nick Carwell can do it. I promise you all that much. Yeah. So you'll find this funny, Vince. And maybe this is a moment that you'll have to have in your own life of uh, the next couple of years whenever you decide to have uh, kids. But my wife and I were sitting and watching the game, and that play happened. And they slow. They showed the Renato Brown block 
five, six, seven times. And it was, I mean, it was helmet to helmet. And no, she looked was, at me, yeah. she looked at me and she said, you really want your son to have that happen to him? And I'm like, no, how do I, to I do was, that? Right. No, dude, he's the punisher. <laughs> it, I should have said that. It's not Damn happening it. to him. He's yeah. delivering the punishment. No, right. my son I is the like, hammer, not the nail. I didn't answer, but she was like, did you hear me? And I was like, what do you want me to say? No, I don't want that to happen to him. It's just a part of football. And she was like, well, I just don't know about that game. And to, cre- uh, to her credit, that's a that, that was a that's not a great example of what you want happening on the football yeah. field. But it was it's a, it's a thing if you're a football fan, just man up. Like that's just part of the physical physical nature of the game. I understand what you're trying to prevent there, but put your head on a swivel, dude. Be the, watching the fact guys that, trying to crack back. The fact that Louisville had two crack back blocks on a single play and gained no yardage out of it. <laughs> they actually stopped, you know, it stopped uh, Tyler Hudson from uh, negative. I mean, he, he went backwards, so backwards, dude. I mean, he had seven, eight, nine yards and then just ran the complete opposite hey, I, way. I, I'm glad that kid was is, as good as, I mean, he was a bright spot on the offense. I mean, I'm not going to say as good as advertised and stuff because I believe he runs two east and west. Text you guys about that during that play. Yeah. If you look, mm-hmm. if you, he, he had two plays that stuck out to me. I believe one was in the first half, and then that one where uh, Renato got kicked out, where uh, it seemed like he would get so much more yards if he would just stick his foot in the dirt and go north and south. Like, yep. just try and get upfield, man. You, you're fast enough to outrun these people. Yeah. And then I, I love his shiftiness he's got those like long juke moves where he's like planting in the ground and so i, I mean it fares better for him to go north and south rather than east and west i mean east and west gets you nowhere yeah and shout out to Braden smith too man he made a hell of a throw i mean that is one of those plays you love to see uh yep. just trying to switch it up and again talk about tendency breakers um, and I got I told you guys a little bit about this in our group text, but I, I've got to tell the story of what happened uh, to me on that play that I'm still not recovered from. It was a complete haymaker of a moment for my wife. Again, I told you we were watching the game together. She's always interested in the first and the last game of the year. I think those are like the only two games that ever really matter to her. Uh, <laughs> the rest of it is just time. And not that she doesn't want me to be able to watch the game. She's a very supportive wife of what I do, but it's very much like, can you help with the kids also? Um, but so we're watching the game together and I am sitting at our table in our living room and I have my laptop in front of me and it's charging. It's an important uh, thing to, to mention here. And I have a beer sitting next to me. The TV is in front of me. Uh, and that play happens, and as soon as Braden gets the ball on the pitch, I knew he was throwing. He's just got this very weird, awkward wind-up when he's about to start getting ready to throw. So I knew he was going to throw. So I immediately stood up, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to throw it. And he launches a bomb, and he catches it, and I freak out, and I trip over my charging laptop because it's stretching the cord from the wall charger (laughs) to the laptop. So I trip over the laptop. The laptop charger sweeps the beer out from underneath it, uh, knocks the beer over, spills it all over the table, all over the floor, uh, and as I'm on the floor, I look over at my wife and she just makes a face at me. And I don't remember if she said anything in that moment. She said to me, you're an idiot and you're stupid and you just fell and look like a dumbass." <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I snapped and I was upset with her. It wasn't her fault. Uh, and so that was just like a, a pretty quick synopsis of how the game went for Louisville overall. Now, I did apologize. It was not her that made me look like a dumbass. It was my own fault for that. Um, but it did feel like a punch in the gut that was a little bit worse because of the game score. Um, and, but that was a hell of a play though. I will say it's the play of the night for Louisville and really that and the tie on Evans run is really the only two plays that you can point out as being good. So, all right, let's put a, just a bow on this conversation. Um, 
how much what's your what's your leash what's your grace period here before you want to see something change wise i mean is it just roll the ball back out there friday and let's hope that they just bounce back i'll personally i I hate whenever people start saying the words like let's fire him let's fire Mm -hmm. blah 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 like i i personally i hate that because i see what goes into having to move all these families with their kids right uh, how it, right. how it really affects them more than the it people. affects the coach. It's yeah, it's, it's really wild. Uh, but you, you know, you've got to expect some kind of a change coming if nothing happens in the coming weeks. I expect them to rebound against UCF. I I don't know. Maybe I don't. After you all see hear my <laughs> score prediction, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm definitely hurt as an alumni, as a fan. Uh, yeah, it just sucks. It sucks it's being on one. It sucks losing to Syracuse. It sucks losing a conference game. Uh, you, it sucks coming in with all that hype and all that confidence, and you know, just having some asshole come up and poke it. It's like yeah. having a balloon, and somebody was just like, "Nope." Yeah. <laughs> I just i i need to i need to see significant improvement. Not not really in the win loss column. I need to see the execution and the effort in several facets get significantly better because we can, we can all agree here that the way that they went out there was, it it seemed like they didn't want to be here. I mean, you can summarize it like this best. It was clear that Syracuse wanted it more. Yeah. Yep. That couldn't have been more clear from like the first series or two from each team. Like it, it was just obvious that they wanted it more period. If Louisville is going to get this season turned around, that can't happen again. They need to go out with this mindset knowing they should have had it from the jump. Why they didn't have it from the jump, I, I don't really understand that part. Because, I mean, one of the narratives now, granted, in the last couple of months has been as prevalent because of just how the, the narratives and the storylines over the offseason gradually progressed. But at least early on in the offseason, we knew – we knew, I mean, fans, media, everyone in the city knows that this is a crucial show me type of year for Satterfield. This is one where well, I think we can all agree here where he either gets fired or gets extended yeah. because he's only got a couple of years left on his deal. And it's, it's very rare nowadays for a coach to just run out his deal and just go on elsewhere. That, that almost never happens anymore. Yeah, that's only Dana so, Holgerson. That's the last coach that I can think of that did something similar to that. Right. So the the fact that they went into this game just looking like they had no interest in executing was just, is mind-boggling. And what I want to see starting with this UCF game, and I know it's on a short turnaround, you're still on the road, so it's going to be difficult. But they need to just, even if they don't compl- 100% execute right out of the jump, they need to at least act like they give a damn whenever they oh, yeah. play. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just if you come out and you look marginally better in the little things like effort tackling. I think fans can live with, I said, the aggressive losses. I think that's that, fine. That's but, why I turned it off yeah. in the first quarter. Yeah, I, I mean, you could just like you said, Jacob, how it started off with Chandler and just no tackling and just the first down with Malik where he's falling forward. And it's a busted play. Yeah, and, and just knew that it wasn't that it wasn't our day. 
And that, and again, it's little things. We talked about this all off season, and this will be the last thing on before we move into Central Florida and to Fives Picks, the second week of the the segment there. But we talked about little things like seeing more guys rotate in, seeing more aggressive play up front, seeing guys finish, and it's just little things like that that just add on top of the big things of play calling. Just everything we've been sold, it just felt like we were duped in a way going against a, a team that. 71 to three to all the people who made fun of those who believe that Louisville could come out and beat Syracuse and not suffer this type of defeat. I think that that's silly because Louisville's dominated Syracuse for two years, three years. There's no one that would have believed that a, a quarterback who threw 56% was going to come out and absolutely torch Louisville. Now look, Nikosi Perry has done it. Jeff Sims has done it. Uh, the list is long of quarterbacks who have made Louisville look foolish, but I don't think anyone saw it to that extent. Kudos to Andrea Adelson, who we kind of poked fun of her on Friday night on the show. Uh, she picked the game right. So, all right, we will, uh, we're going to take a, a quick break here. We're going to step away. And when we come back, we will get uh, Ian Pfeiffer on, former Louisville football tight end, to join us for week two of Fife's picks. And then we will dive into previewing Central Florida and what you can expect on Friday night. Move away from a little bit of the misery here of breaking down this Louisville-Syracuse game. And before we dive into to Central Florida, let's go ahead and get into the bright spot of this podcast tonight. We uh, bring in Ian Pfeiffer now, our uh, our resident degenerate here. Uh, and Ian, it wasn't a great first week, but uh, I, much like with Louisville, I think, I think I have faith that there's some sort of bounce back. So first of all, how are you? Uh, just give me a little quick synopsis of, of how you experienced Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, obviously, week one is always tough uh, with with games and, and bets because you really don't know what team is going to show up. Mass. I think we saw that clearly with Louisville. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, it wasn't great. Uh, Rice, you know, couldn't take care of business. Shocker there. I guess USC and, you know, Lincoln Raleigh, they're the real deal over there. But, um yeah, no, it's a it's it's another day of football. Um, obviously, we're recording this early. We got Clemson and Georgia Tech tonight. Um, nothing on it, but uh, we'll we'll jump into this weekend's uh, picks right away. Yeah, um, what do we, what do we got here, Thomas? Tell us what we got. Yeah, so the the one that really popped out to me first was Tennessee minus seven um, against Pitt. Um, I thought Pitt looked looked okay at times against West Virginia. I mean, they were. Uh, it, it seemed like they only got points off some turnovers. They got that gift wrap of a pick six towards the end of the game that kind of got them, you know, to win that game, actually. And obviously, I think Hinden Hooker is just an absolute beast uh, for Tennessee. And I know they didn't really have too much of a test against Ball State, but they looked damn good. Um, so I'm going to say Tennessee minus seven. Um, then my, my next pick is is probably I shouldn't do it. It goes against my heart, um, but I'm going to take Wake Forest minus eight against Vandy. Um, oh, you know, wow. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy as any other Vandy graduate that they're 2-0 right now, um, but they've played two teams that have just had absolutely no defense. Um, obviously, Hawaii got trampled again by yep. a, a not a good WKU team. Yeah, better against uh, Hawaii the entire year. Yeah, yeah, Spain, yeah. Hawaii. Yeah, you know what? Michigan minus 51 might be the play against Hawaii. <laughs> oh, um, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but, uh, 
yeah, Vandy played Elon this weekend. Uh, they won by, I think it was 11, but Elon still scored 31 points against Vandy. You shouldn't be doing that. Um, uh, Wake Forest has a good defense, um, unless it's 2019 Louisville versus Wake Forest. Um, that was that was an amazing game, by the way. Hell, hell of a game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I just have to go with Wake Forest. I think they're a better all-around team. I think Vandy hasn't been tested yet, so – it's a good test for them, but ultimately, I think it's a two-touchdown game. I think Vandy plays decent, but two-touchdown game for uh, Wake Forest. Uh, my next one, it was actually uh, one of those games I said to stay away this past weekend was uh, UTSA in Houston. As as you could see, it was just, I mean, you thought UTSA was going to run away with it. Houston came back. It looked like Houston was going to win it, and then, you know, overtime was just was just awesome. It was just a good game to watch. Those are the games that you don't want to have money on. Yes. You just want to enjoy them. <laughs> yeah. But I I think, you know, I don't think UTSA loses back-to-back games. I like UTSA minus two against Army. Um, Army lost to Coastal. Uh, they're they're decent, as we know. Like, they've, they've, they've done pretty well these past couple of years. But UTA just, UTSA just has an awesome offense. And Yeah, shout out um, Will Stein, offensive coordinator down there, getting them right. That's right. Trinity, Trinity alum, baby. Yep. That's right. I mean, what do you expect, um, Jacob? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Your greatness from this Trinity <laughs> alums. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I I like UTSA. I think Army was like one in four in their last five against the spread. Um, so I I yeah I don't I don't I like UTSA bouncing back this week. Um, my next one would be uh, over fifty three and a half points in Baylor and BYU. Um, so I think I mean Baylor put up sixty plus points this past weekend. Uh, BYU put up over fifty points this past weekend. Um, I think there's going to be fireworks in this game. Um, that's actually, I'll just jump into it. That's actually my dog of the week is Baylor on the road. Um, you can take it plus three and a half, or you can take it uh, uh, with the juice at plus 145. Um, I, I like I like Baylor um, as a dark horse to win the Big 12 this year. So I think that, you know, this is one, one of those games that obviously doesn't count towards the Big 12, but it's a good win to have on the resume. Um towards the end of the season. Um, so if they're in contention for a Big 12 championship and they have a BYU win, it's going to be tough to keep them out of that conversation uh, for the college football playoff uh, that they just narrowly missed last year. Um, but, yeah, I, that, I, I like the over in that game, and I like uh, Baylor, uh, Baylor to win that game. Um, and then la- last pick of my, of my best bets is – Alabama minus 20 and a half against Texas. So nice. Not, nice. Not, okay. not, not often do you get Bama under 30 points, like at any time in the season. Maybe against Georgia, against Texas AM, Auburn, schools like that. But you know, those are very, very dogfight games that you don't want to touch those. You just want to watch those games, like I mentioned earlier. But Texas is not back. Quinn, no. you were Dude, did y'all watch, that's what I was gonna ask. Did y'all watch Texas this weekend? No, but I don't. I don't think I need to, to know that they're not back. Uh, Quinn, yours is. I mean, I thought he had all the. He's nice. He's nice. quarterback. He's and, good, but he's he's yeah. not gonna be. <laughs> yeah, I I I mean, Bijan Robinson. I think he's gonna get shut down against uh, 
against Bama's defense. I mean, Quinn Ewers, Alabama's DBs are going to make Quinn Ewers look dumb. I mean, this is going to be his real first test. His real first test against Alabama. I mean, yeah. That that's how'd that go for uh, how'd that go for Jawan Pass, man? That's exactly. (laughs) uh, He's hitting him up asking for advice. Yeah, that's it's not fun when you know Alabama has to break you into, you know, into playing big boy ball. Um, So yeah, like Vandy, you guys at Vandy were clamoring for him like two or three years ago. Yeah, I mean it was it was a close game. It was like fifty nine to fifty one. We narrowly lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a joke. We got crushed 59 yeah. to right. zero. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't think I think we were all like, yeah, there's a punch line coming after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No and then kind of, kind of to wrap this all up with uh, with Baylor, but I, I like my money line parlay. I like uh Baylor uh to win the game and I like Arkansas to win the game. I thought Arkansas looked good uh against Cincinnati. I actually went to that game, it was a real fun game. Um at times they played down to their level. Um, but I mean, they they can run the ball at will when they want to. Like they tried to throw, like get cute with KJ Jefferson, and I don't think you need to. Uh, they can literally just run the piss out of the ball. And with South Carolina coming in, um, they're they're eight point favorites now. I think it's maybe up to nine. Um, but I'm just gonna take them to win at home again. Uh, and the Baylor win, and those parlayed, uh, it's plus two twenty four. So not too bad there. There you go. There's your money making opportunity for the weekend. Remember, this is not financial advice. This is not legal <laughs> advice, but a good opportunity there to get back ahead. Uh, if we had bet last week, we'd, we'd be down. But I, I, again, I have faith we can bounce back as a show here and get back on the right. Hey, track. It's, it's a long game. It's a so, long season. One and four for the year. Yeah, we started slow, but that's okay. Hey, sometimes that's it, the way it goes. It's how you finish. <laughs> are there are there any Louisville Central Florida bets that you either like or want to stay away from? If you could give our audience who might have betting interest in that game, which I don't know how anyone could bet on Louisville games unless they've kind of, it's just, it's not for me. I, there's no way. Cause then you want to yeah, win yeah, your money. No, you know, you want to win your money. You want to win your money. You yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough getting the best of both worlds. It's tough winning money and having like your team win. Um, cause I'm the type of person that, you know, I'd rather have, have money to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not really like an emotional better, but I'll be honest. I know we were talking earlier. It, it, it doesn't give me any, I, I, I don't want to just like put, put the pin on him this early, but I mean, that defense, you know, they could not tackle to save their life. And UCF is explosive. I mean, we saw last year when they played very explosive team and we haven't really shown an offense yet that we can keep up, but I hope we do. Um, but if I were to take anything, it would be um, the team total of UCF. I think it's at 34 and a half. Yeah. I would take over 34 and a half and shit. I, I mean, I hope Louisville wins 42, 35, you know, um, and that would be the best of both worlds. But yeah, yeah. I, I do like UCF putting up some points. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, Ian. Well, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be an interesting week. We're just all so dejected here. I feel like I'm <laughs> trying my hardest to put a smile on my face. I feel like I have been kicked in the nuts like 12 Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. 
we're all a little down here, but uh, we thank you for coming on and giving us your picks. And uh, we're we're counting on these picks to get us back next week. Hopefully, well, we can maybe sit on the other on the other side of it next week at six and five or what, I forget what we said that you went for the week one and four. So hopefully, we can go and go undefeated this week. Oh yeah, back in a winning record next week, and then really ready to bounce back. Let's do it. All right, Let's ladies and gentlemen, and Pfeiffer, and we'll catch you next week. That was another edition of Fife's Picks. Great stuff from Ian there. I'm hoping that uh, we can bounce back as a show uh, again and just, just look a, l- a little bit better. We do need We, we need, we need a bounce back with our bets. We need a bounce back from cards. Uh, Jacob, you need a bounce back from falling over laptops That's and beers right. and stuff. Yeah, yelling at my you need wife. beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need less beer, but that maybe this, I think this episode yeah. should be called The Bounce Back. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, that... Or group therapy. (laughs) Or group therapy session. Group therapy session, volume one. Yeah, it's going to become a weekly trend, it feels like. But no, uh, no, it's not. It's not. No, it's not. I like the positivity. I'm just not feeling it. I'm very mopey tonight on the show. That's the the mode. I'm the same way. I told my wife before we started, I just didn't feel like doing this tonight, but I knew it was a necessity. And we're doing it for y'all. That's right. We're doing it for y'all. For the listeners. That's right. That's right. We all are suffering y'all. through this. We're all suffering through this together, but, um, you know. That that was my favorite uh, tweet from our account was, uh, I mean, yeah, we've all been through a lot, but we've all been through a lot together. Together. As That's fans, right. we all have our opinions and stuff like that, but. As yeah. long as we, as long as we stay like this, as a fan, always stay like this. Nobody yeah. else will stop us. All right. you, know us, you know what hand motion I'm doing. So let's nope. talk about Central Florida uh, because this game could not probably have been scheduled at a worse time for Louisville. Uh, they come off of a game where uh, it was an offense that spread Louisville out, multiple playmakers, very run heavy, Sean Tucker, Garrett Schrader, but then they had weapons, Aronde Gadsden, Courtney Jackson, Devon Cooper. Uh, we saw guys make plays all over the field for Syracuse. Uh, and for Brian Brown, uh, I would imagine he's not sleeping much this week because the, the playmakers remain dangerous for uh, the Central Florida Knights there. You're talking about John Rice Plumley, who was a uh, former four or five star recruited Ole Miss, played wide receiver last year, but is now the starting quarterback there. And he had a hell of a game this past week against South Carolina State in their uh, first um, game of the year. And then you're talking about two dynamic running backs in Isaiah Bowser uh, and Johnny Richardson. Johnny Richardson had a big game last year against Louisville. Uh, and in fact, if, if Isaiah Bowser doesn't get hurt last year, Central Florida probably wins that game. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're both healthy. Then you've got Ryan O'Keefe, wide receiver, Javon Baker, who was at Kentucky for a hot second, former Alabama transfer, had a big game for South uh, for Central Florida this past week. So uh, there's weapons there. They've got a really, really good defense. They did lose some of the size that made them really special uh, last year for their team. Uh, but they become more athletic. I know losing Dylan Gabriel, who transferred off to Oklahoma, typically that's a big, big loss. But with um, John Rice Plumley, they kind of get an upgrade in athleticism from a running standpoint. We saw that this past week. And so, guys, uh, Vince, specifically, I'll come to you. You got six days to turn around to go against an offense that already does a lot of unique motions. They move guys around. They They come out in a lot of unique formations. I saw – uh, two running backs in the backfield. I saw a running back and a tight end in the backfield, two running backs and a tight end in the backfield. I saw three tight ends on the line. I saw a number of different looks for them and a little wildcat formation. Um, Chip Lindsay, the offensive coordinator there, and Gus Malzone, they've been worked together for a long time. They've got really unique looks, and Louisville struggled with some of the empty sets and just the different things that Syracuse did uh, under Robert and I on Saturday. And so 
what do they do, man? What do they do? Is this just a week of execution? Don't do what you did last week. That's fair. I yeah, mean, no, I guess okay. whatever you, you did can only go up from don't, yeah. Don't do that. Uh, you can only go up from I mean, here. But I mean, that doesn't just fall on the players, right? They're gonna have to be no. called into a better game. Like there's yes. oh, from absolutely. the start of the game, Brian Brown has got to do better calling yes. games. I, I mentioned to you all either on the radio or on the podcast we recorded last week that the wide receivers need to be up more uh and maybe a press coverage, getting up in their faces and stuff. They don't need to be off trying to play catch no or, or anything like that. Just get up in their stuff. So, I mean, you could at least give the illusion that you are, you know, the quarterback can just look once and be like, oh, he's covered, move off, even though, I don't know. There's a lot that needs to be fixed. I think schematically they need to do something different there. Like I said, get hands-on wide receivers better, more pressure. Uh, I didn't see very many games, things like that, coming uh, coming out of the defense Syracuse week. So I'd like to see a couple more of that uh, offensively. Uh, uh, I I don't know. It all starts. It all kind of starts with the O line offensively. You know. Yeah. So if the, if the O line and you mentioned it with that scramble Malik had last week, the only reason he could get that scramble is because he had enough time to sit there and go through his progression. If there, if there's ever going to be a game where they need to be fundamentally sound, especially on defense, it's this one, because yeah. even even though Dylan Gabriel's not there, a couple they lost a couple guys. I mean that offense still operates a mile yeah. a minute. I mean they ran 81 <laughs> plays against South Carolina State. Now granted it's an FCS opponent and so you're going to get a lot more plays, but I mean. It's the same that, team as last year. They're they're good. It's, it's the same yeah. thing. Literally, it's not even just that they're good again. It's the same situation for Louisville where the film is there. Ole Miss, slant, 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 quick pass, run for 10, 15 yards, rush, rush, rush. They just torched Louisville's defense. And then Central Florida came in and just built off of that last year. They almost ran the exact same game plan, and they ran for 212 yards, and they passed for 204. And Louisville won because of a fluke pick six. Like yeah, That's why I just – I've lost – I've lost confidence in this game for these very reasons. They're they've got a worse quarterback, but overall, from a standpoint of of skill positions, they they might be better overall. Uh, they've certainly got the two best running oh, backs yeah. potentially, you know, in their conference. And so you're talking about you know Louisville being able to stop those guys. I, I mean, look, I'm not gonna I I'm not gonna sit here this week and say Louisville is gonna be much better because there was six days off and they had film. No, no. No, Central Florida is just no. going to take advantage of what Syracuse just did. Uh, that's the yeah, there's, there's just too much talent on the field. I mean, you got the two running backs, Bowser and Richardson. We saw what, what they did last year until one of them got hurt. Javon Baker, he, I mean, the only reason he's here now is because Alabama is so stacked. Come on, Gamble, they're t- the new tight end from Florida. He he had a good debut. And Ryan O'Keefe, he was an 800-yard guy last year. I mean, there's five guys right there who could be like like all-conference type players and just your offensive skill room now the offensive line isn't as good but considering how like quickly this offense runs yeah. it's not like you need a, a ton of time to either set up holes or set up a uh, pass pro no and and here's the thing chip Lindsay, i listened to him preview the game yesterday when his and same with gus Malzahn. they both emphasized their displeasure with central florida in the second half getting to the line quickly they want to go fast Fellas, they're going to emphasize that all week, almost licking their chops, knowing that Louisville has – Vince, we talked about this in the offseason. Somebody in my eyes, my football eyes, can tell that Louisville has the hardest time on defense getting set. They just – Oh, yeah. The guys are moving literally yeah. to the second the ball snaps, trying we're, to figure out where to go. Always. too much, getting the play in too late. I mean – Yeah, it, and, and so you're talking about – 
81 plays. Is that what you said? They ran on Saturday. Yep. I, okay. So yep. you're talking about, I mean, I'm not even going to attempt to do math, but we're talking about a play every 15 to 25 seconds for, you UCF know, I would probably be in like the 120s. Like what, play in place? Wins. I mean, I bet. I bet. Watch. If that's the case, the game's a blowout. Louisville's got no shot at winning that game unless they score. I mean, that's how, position. like, that Wake Forest game, and that's kind of how I think of this, like, speed-wise. Yeah. How it could be with them, just yeah. tempo, tempo, yeah. tempo. And Louisville had success last week whenever we did that. Did you yeah. all notice that? And whenever we started going tempo and picking up the offense, getting up to the line, uh, getting the signal in quick, not substituting, I mean, we started to hurt Syracuse. I don't, I don't know why we don't do tempo more. I mean, we have that stuff built into the offense. Yeah, it, uh, it doesn't make any sense, but you can expect that Malzone is going to emphasize getting in position quickly, and then they're going to throw these unique looks where they're going to send guys moving to try to force Louisville's hand. They're going to force, you know, a Debo Jones, a KJ Cloyd, a Chandler Jones. They're going to force them to make decisions pre-snap, and then that's when you see – you know, two linebackers bite on a on a on a running back motioning out of the backfield, only to let a wide or you know a wide receiver in motion just to let the running back go on a wheel route untouched. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, that I, I almost bad. expect. I, that was, that was mm-hmm. terrible. I was right there. Oh I just God. I just almost expect to see that this weekend because we I, I just don't know how much you're going to clean up that quickly. And maybe they will look. Maybe the seniors will come back, and it'll be Yasir and and Malik and Caleb. These guys, Mar- Marshawn, Catrell, uh, saying. We've got to, as a team, accept responsibility and play better. But again, they can come out and they can play a flawless game. I'm not sure the coaches right now are going to put them in the best spot to win the game, and that's what worries me just as much as uh, a guy biting on a pre, uh, you know, on on a pre-snap movement. Like it's just there's there's just more worry in that, and I think that's the same thing for the fans. And um, you know, you're really really starting to get into dicey territory if you lose this game in a fashion that was similar to Saturday knowing that you have Florida state the following weekend, who is going to have nine days rest coming off of a major win over LSU. I just, I just don't, I'm having a hard time trying to remain positive and, and be uh, encouraged that they could be better because I've just seen this same story too many times with Louisville. I've just seen it. And plus, I don't mean to throw like more salt on the wound, but UCF, I mean, yeah, their defense isn't as good as their offense, but I mean, it's, it's still pretty good. I mean, they did lose their top tackler in Tatum Bethune and Big Cat Bryant is off the NFL. But I mean, there's their secondary. I mean, it's still pretty good. They've got Quadric Bullard, uh, Devon Wilson. I mean, I, I don't have the stat in front of me. I mean, they, they didn't give up like a ton of passing yards per game, but in terms of passing efficiency defense, they were the sixth best team in FBS. Considering how much struggle, uh, Malik Cunningham struggled with going through his reams, keying on Tyler Hudson way too often, just not looking like he was that polished as a pocket passer, that is extremely worrisome. That looked like Des 2.0 to me. Can I just tell you all that if I was a wide receiver on Louisville's team, I would be the worst. I'd have the worst attitude. I wouldn't even run my route. I'd just, you know, come up in my blocking position and stand there, and I'd be like, what's the point? You know, he's either going to throw it to Tyler or he's going to run. Why am I going to run full speed? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you said that, not me. You, you said that, not me. But that would Wait, be what'd you say? No, I missed that. What'd you say? I'll let you know. I'm going to make you, I'm going to force you to go back and listen to the show for that. If you want to hear what he said. Yeah. That's, he doesn't even want to listen to the podcast he's on, but no, I, that's how I would be. I would have a hard time because it sucks, man. I mean, that's it's so deflating to run a full speed route, especially like a go route only for him to just throw a safe pass. I mean, kudos to Malik for dumping the ball down. I mean, he did do that. I think I, yeah. I tallied it up earlier. 
Um, he had a couple of nice plays, but you know, I, I, as, as far as the offense goes, I think this weekend, what I would like to see more of uh, is obviously the offensive line block better. I think it starts with p- potentially looking at the the change outside. I would give Trevor Reed a couple of drives to see if he could make some changes, but then I'd look at optimizations being Michael Gonzalez on the left side and Louisville then trying to get the round, the run game going. But from, from a sat standpoint, a, call, a play calling standpoint, I want to see more mix of, of passing on first down. Um, it didn't hurt. Uh, it didn't help sat that there were several Syracuse penalties on first down. So the numbers are kind of skewed, um, but Louisville still ran the ball significantly more than they passed on first down. And really on most downs, they did that. Uh, and so I want to see more mixes and it's not even just that I want to see more, more passing plays. I just want to see different types of passing plays. Stop doing the, the two step drop, uh, you know, roll the, the, the rollout for Malik um, off of a play action. I get that that's a, a play that you want to set up, but let's see something else. Let's I, I see feel like something it's just else. Not, it's not creative anymore. No, you know, it's back, not. Back in 19, no. uh, you'd see all these orbit motions, these return motions with two, two going, you know, back to the running back and then coming right back to that wide receiver position. And, you know, we would shift and there was just so much more movement yeah. going on pre-snap. And I feel like we had dialed back that movement pre-snap for whatever reason, but that movement pre-snap helps, helps your quarterback and your own line more than anything. They get to be able to see, okay, if, the, if he's running with me, that's man coverage. If he's sinking back and they're shifting everybody over, we're running zone. Like it's, I don't yeah. know. I just I think- hope, I hope they turn the page Say, F it, that game happened. We can't do shit about it right now except show up to work the next day. And, I mean, that's I mean, that's about all you can hope for right now. Yeah, that that really is it. I, I mean, I, I can tell you from an X's and O's standpoint, we want to see better execution, less penalties, you know, more willingness to, to be uh, unpredictable in the play calling situations. Situationally on the goal line on third down, stop doing the same thing that you've done for four years. Everyone knows you're going to do it. Try something else for once. Go back to a little bit, like Vince said, of those, uh, of just some of those motions. Just give some life, breathe some creativity, life into this this offense because it just needs it so bad. the The 45 yard pass was great, but you can't you, you can't even bank on doing that once a game with a wide receiver. You've got to do other things. You've got to have mm-hmm. quick, quick passes from Malik where he's getting the ball out of his hands on a two, three step back drop instead of, you know, like I said, a rollout, a bootleg. Like you've just got to try some different things. And I'm did, hopeful. Did we that run that that toss play at all during the game? The uh, the one Pfeiffer was talking about last podcast where I don't think uh, so. Uh, I don't remember yeah, saying it. That that was a notorious set. Where where was that on Saturday? I mean, yeah. yes, we ran that to set up the pass. Yeah. To set up that pass with Braden, but. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys, let's do some predictions here. Let's uh, let's do we'll do what we did last week, give a score. And then we'll uh, for the sake of this, one, let's predict how many touchdowns Malik, thro- Malik throws. I think that's a surprising stat last week. No touchdowns, two interceptions, one fumble. Um, I'll, go, I'll go. OK, go ahead. Go ahead. 35-21 UCF Malik throws one touchdown. OK. <sighs> I'm going UCF 42, Louisville 31. Malik has two touchdowns. Last year was 42-35. Louisville, lucky to get out of there with a win. I don't see a scenario in which Louisville will score more points than UCF, so that obviously means that I think Central Florida is going to win. Uh, it's just the, the margin, and I just – I don't know. I, I feel confident that these guys are going to bounce back and play a little bit better, but I just don't know if they're a good football team. I think we'll find out Friday night, um, and if they win, I'll be very happy to be proven wrong, but I, I'm going to go 41 
to 24 uh, Central Florida. I think they're going to just do what we saw last weekend. It's six days. There's no turnaround for Louisville to implement anything new. It's just you got to do better, and I, I don't know. I don't know please, if we're going to see that. prove us wrong. I hope we show back up on Monday and we're like – I'd be happy with Sunday, that. Sunday, whenever right. we record. Oh, my God. I, I yeah. hope. I mean, they, go, it's, it's going to take a perfect game. For, for the fans, to win the fans back. Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah, and it, they are winnable back. Like, they are. It was the same thing as last season. You just win, and they'll come back. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm, a, a, I'm a sucker. That. I'm a sucker. Yeah. One win by are. one point, and I'll, I'm, yeah. I'm – I saw tweets today. I saw tweets today like, all right, it's game week. We're back. Yeah. I'm back on board. And that's how I am. I'm, I'm excited for next week to get back out there with season tickets as a season ticket holder and be at the games. I'm excited to watch Friday night. But I just don't have confidence right now that they're a good football team. I don't have confidence that the coaching staff is going to do the right things to put them in a position to win. And that's not because I'm a dick or an asshole. That's just because I've seen enough of the not doing that to, to go there. So that's where I'm at. And um, hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully we can come back here next week with, you know, maybe low expectations uh, and we can have a little bit more fun than we did tonight. Cause this sucks, man. If we have to do, <laughs> we have to do 12 weeks of this. I don't how, know. Many how many touchdowns did you think Malik's going to have? I said he'll throw three. I'll throw, three. I think he's going to throw three. Yeah. I think he'll, uh, cause what I say, 24 points. So yeah, I'll give him all three. Yeah. Um, and that would mean no rushing touchdowns, but Hey, who knows, man, maybe next week they just won't even run the ball at all. And it'll just be the exact opposite. Who knows? But that's going to wrap us up here on from the pink seeds podcast, Jacob Lane, Vince, Coco, Matt McGavick. If you've just tuned in for the first time, thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you just heard us on ESPN radio this past week, thanks for tuning in to the 24 hour marathon. We had a blast. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts from. We got new shows each week where we'll break down the game and preview what's uh, coming uh, on the schedule. Uh, thanks to Ian Fiverr for joining us for five picks. Follow these guys at Matt underscore McGavick at Vincent Lacoco. That's the Louisville report of sports illustrated where you can find Matt's work state of Louisville.com and the state of Louisville podcast network. We will be back next week. I say this uh, as always, I mean it, but it, it's a very sad go cards. <laughs>